Life is precious, both inside and outside the womb. And today on Abounding Grace, we celebrate this wonderful gift God has given and encourage you to choose life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. We're glad we can share the next half hour with you and welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is about to dive into a heavy but important topic that's been all over the news recently. As millions of children continue to be aborted each year, we can't afford to stand idly by. Rather, we must stand up for those that can't stand for themselves. And we'll share some ways you can do that in a second. Pastor Ed will also share a bit of his own testimony. I know you'll be moved by what he has to say. So let's get right to it. Some of you have capacity to adopt a child. That's what God's will is for you. To open up your home and bring a child in and raise that child. Raise that child whether or not, whether or whether or not that baby was saved from abortion. You are opening your home and being available because you have capacity. Some of you have capacity to enter into the foster care system here. You can do that in a couple of different ways. Some of you have capacity right now as foster parents, because that's just how you're made, where you can open up your home temporarily for children whose parents are really going through something, maybe drug addiction, maybe they've gone to prison, and their kids get put into the system. And here the church is being invited into the system, so for a temporary time, because you can do it. You bring your children in, you love them, care for them, and when their parents get back on their feet, you send them back to their parents. Even still, some of you have capacity to enter into the foster care system, but to go one step further. And that is you enter into the foster care system, fostering to adopt, where you bring these high-risk kids into your home. And there's really very little hope that their parents will ever get right. So they go into the foster adoption process, and you have capacity. See, the church, we have capacity to make a difference in our culture. I know not everyone is going to walk. Some of you have capacity to talk about this openly at work. Some of you have capacity that you maybe know someone that has had an abortion, and instead of being hyper-judgmental and condemning, and the language they how could you, why would you, you shouldn't have, instead you walk into language of the hurt and the brokenness that this particular sin brings upon a mom that's chosen that, or a dad that's chosen that, and all of the brokenness. You see, the church has capacity we have a place in this society. And God has many open doors for us to take a stand for what is right. Some of you may want to get involved legislatively. You may want to get involved in the government level. And I say run with what God has given you. But we can't stand idle. We no longer can stand silent and idle when the world needs to hear the voice of the gospel in a very practical way. So let me pause here for a moment and just acknowledge to you that I know it's a hard topic. I know it's difficult. I always pray a little bit more, even anticipating standing here before you without, you know, I don't want, I'm not going to water anything down. I don't want to be tempted to, but I also want 
I want to biblically be a tool in God's hand to convince you of your role in the body of Christ. I want you to know how important it is to walk forward. You know, when we studied through in Romans chapter 12, those seven primary gifts of the Holy Spirit, remember what we said? We said these seven primary gifts of the Holy Spirit in his church represent Jesus as if he was on the earth today. Because these were all found in him. And as he ascended into heaven, he sent these gifts to his church. So we have a role and a place to be literally the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And I pray a little more when I deliver these more difficult Bible studies because my heart is for you to be moved by the Holy Spirit, not just by me. And I know for some of you listening right now, this particular topic is heavier for you than it is for others. Because as you look backward in life, it's a decision that you made. That abortion is a part of your personal testimony. Maybe you were a woman that chose that for yourself. Perhaps you were a man that coerced or forced your girlfriend or wife to have one. Nonetheless, it's a painful decision that you regret. You're born again now. And I know that your life, you, you have changed your perspective. I know that you look back on that time and you probably think this. If, if you knew then what you know now, you wouldn't have made that decision. You've repented of it. And yet still the guilt and the consequence plague you, even perhaps to the point of condemnation. So the purpose of bringing it up today is to remind you of the forgiveness of Jesus. That the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to even forgive this. And so you accept, you repent like any other sin. You come to him with a godly sorrow. You ask for his forgiveness. And then you receive it. And then you rest in it. Listen, every single one of us, I can speak for myself because I'm the one speaking, that I can look back while abortion is not a part of my personal testimony, I can look back in my life and I have much to regret. And that if I knew then what I know now, I think I would have made decisions much differently than I did. And I hurt a lot of people and, and there's a lot of difficulty, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame that I continually bring back to the foot of the cross. And I remember not just my sin, but I remember my Savior. I have to. Otherwise, it'll swallow me up. It'll destroy me. If I only look at my failures, if you and I, we only look at our failures, then we'll be swallowed up. But we've got to factor in the blood of Jesus Christ. But there's still another person that I need to speak to today, and that's those of you that might be considering an abortion right now. You might even have the appointment. And I think of that specifically, someone listening on the radio, you already have the appointment set up. We beg you, don't go through with it. Don't do it. Absolutely not the right I can tell you with 100% certainty, it is not the right decision. So you say to me, well, Ed, what are you going to do? Are you going to help me? Call us. I, I don't know what we're going to do, but we will find you help. I don't know what we will do. I don't have the answer. I don't know your situation. I can't guarantee you anything except this. We will help you. We'll find a way. We'll make a phone call. We'll connect with people we know in the community. I guarantee you. You will make a bad decision if you choose without a... Don't do it. Call us for help. Even today, if you have... This is a part of your past. You need prayer. We have women that are already prepared and ready to talk to you privately and pray with you, woman to woman. Some of them even have this in their own past. And they can help. If you're a guy, pastors will be up here. And they can help you. And 
I'm not certain how many of them have it in their past, but you can talk to them. Pastors will take you to the Lord. If you're considering an abortion and you want help, come up and ask us and we'll start the process. I, I don't know how we will help. I, I don't know. Every situation is different. All I know is we'll do everything we can to help you and find an outlet for you. It's that important. And so it can start today. Maybe you need to call us this week or email us. And perhaps as this airs in different places around the country, we'll have to connect you with somebody local and our friends with churches. We have friends and churches in every single state of the United States. And I'm certain we could find someone if you're in another country. The point is this. There is help for you. Just ask. Just ask. God alone gives life and takes life. And rest in the forgiveness that the Holy Spirit has given you. Not only that, I want you to rest in the hope, if this is a part of your past, I want you to rest in the hope that you will be reunited with that baby. I believe that biblically. We have an episode in the life of David where he lost a baby. His baby died. And here's his response, inspired by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Samuel, if you want to mark it down so you can see it later, you might even need to memorize it so the Holy Spirit will comfort you. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22, it says, while the child was alive, I fasted and I wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Jesus died himself willingly to forgive you and give you hope. God is into saving lives, restoring joy, and setting you free from your sinful past. Jesus paid it all. And now that you're alive in Christ, he is at work in your life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And today we've set aside a moment to celebrate life. We celebrate and commemorate the sanctity of life. The value that God has placed on every single human being from the point of conception. Life. Your life. My life. Not the quality of life, but life itself. Babies' lives. Yeah, things took a wicked turn in our country in 1973. We kind of use that as a point in time. But let's put the clock back just a little bit. Let's go back beyond 1973 to the year 1967. It was in 1967, around June or July, that a young woman finds out that she's pregnant. And while we're not entirely sure what she's thinking and what's in her mind, we do know this. She's seriously thinking about not keeping this baby. We also know in 1967 that abortion in our country is illegal. And that is not a viable option for her. Her options were basically keep the child, and we do know she was single, we knew she was unmarried, and we know she was very young, so she could keep the child and live with the stigma of having a child out of wedlock, or she could give that child up for adoption. Well, we do know that her choice was to give that child up for adoption. And in 1968, a young boy was born and placed into the Los Angeles County Adoption System, waiting for his adoptive parents. It wasn't but a few months later that two young people who were unable to conceive a child finished their paperwork with Los Angeles County, 
And Mr. and Mrs. Edward Taylor walked into the adoption agency into the orphanage and took home the absolute best baby they could find. <laughs> they adopted him into their family along with their other adopted daughter and they raised him absolutely 100% completely as their own. As a matter of fact, that young man that grew up as far back as he can remember, he knew that he was adopted and he knew his story. They raise him as their very own, love him and care for him, even though that guy caused them so much pain, so much anguish. He was rebellious and angry, disobedient, and downright out of control. And just to mess with his mom, occasionally that guy would say, Mom, wasn't I so bad that you looked at all the paperwork of the adoption and you turned it over to see what the return policy was? And she would always say, I never did that. Don't you ever say that again. She heard me say it. She was watching. Oh, I, I, by the way, we're talking about me, by the way. But she heard me saying it live on service one day. And I got a call and she said, don't you ever say that again. It's like, come on, mom. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But it was bad. Even last night at dinner with Marie, um, just kind of caused, this whole thing causing me to think back to the kind of pain I caused them. It was, it was worse than even at times I'm willing to remember. But that adopted kid does grow up in a loving home, and he ends up developing a relationship in high school with a young girl, only to find out early on in that relationship that she's pregnant. And here they are, these kids, stuck with the results of the decision that they made, scared, unbelievers, living for the world, in the world, like the world, not knowing what to do. They walk into a clinic, asking for a free test that was available. And you have to understand the reason we went for the free test and the reason we went to a clinic is because I spent all my money on alcohol, drugs, and partying. That's the kind of guy this girl gets hooked up with. A guy that doesn't care, a guy that's abusive, a guy that would even put the risk of walking into an abortion clinic. Even though they lied to us, we didn't know what that was, just for a free test. We walk in, we get the test, and had enough sense to us to choose to keep that baby. But we didn't know what the future would hold, and certainly she did not plan to spend the rest of her life with me. She actually gave birth to that little guy and then left me for two years, which was a great decision on her part. And we never really thought we'd ever be together again. We kind of passed in the night kind of thing, you know, exchanging custody and fighting over that. And it was just a mess. It was a mess for her mom. It was a mess for my parents. It was a mess for us. It was horrific. And then out of the blue, they end up getting married, messed up and married and moving in together. And that was a mess. And things didn't get any better. They actually got worse. And then hanging by a thread, the phone rings, and it's an old friend. He just was born again in some church in California and thought about the worst sinner that he was connected to and called him <laughs> and invited him to a church very much like this. Oh, he didn't know how bad it was. I hadn't talked to him in years. He didn't know how horrible our home was, what a miserable life my wife was living, how miserable I, he had no idea, but God knew. And going back to 1967, and going back to the choices, and the choices, and the choices, and the choices, 
It was in that church that I responded to the invitation to the gospel. I was born again, and life took a drastic turn, a drastic change. I get saved. I raise my family. That little guy, he ended up growing up, became a police officer here in Colorado. He married and started a family of his own before he passed away suddenly eight years ago. But very proud of him. His life mattered. His life still matters today. We also stayed married. Um, Marie last night said she appreciates all this. She, she said she likes me last night. <laughs> the only thing she gave me was a thumbs up. But you know, when you get a thumbs up, when you get a thumbs up, you can interpret that any way you want. So I would just say she's really into me. <laughs> but we've been married now, and so this year will be 32 years. Of course, we have two other children. And God is doing a work. And it's an amazing story, as brief as it is, of the amazing grace of God with life. And who knows what your story is? Who knows what your future is? But I do know this. The grace of God that I experience is the grace of God you experience. That God is not done with you. And God is wanting to use you into full capacity of why you're alive and what he wants to accomplish in your life. And I pray that stories like mine will inspire you because you look back and you think, well, you know, Ed, you made it. We did make it by the grace of God. But it was amazingly hard and difficult. And in many ways, I can use the word, it was horrific. And only God can do that. This is why the world needs the church to be the church. Not the church militant, but the church loving. That we can speak life into people. That we can give them hope. That, that we can help them. That we can walk in. Why would God give us so much capacity except to be messengers of love? That's his desire for us. Let me close here as we end. Would you turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 30, please? Deuteronomy chapter 30. You know, the context of this passage of Scripture is the children of Israel. They're coming out of Egypt. They're establishing themselves as a new nation. And God tells them, look, I'm going to put a lot of choices before you. You're going to have good choices, evil choices. You're going to have choices of life and death. Choose life. That's what he says. You want to make it? You want to prolong? You, you, want, to, you want to see generational growth? You want to see love pass from? Then choose life. Choose to obey me. Cooperate with me. Follow me. But I love it because there's also the application, very literally, that when you are in a position of choosing life and death, listen to what the Bible says. Notice with me in chapter 30, verse 11. This commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us? that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess." But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and you're drawn away and worship other gods to serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. Verse 19. 
I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that you have, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And I hope you have this marked already. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord God, with you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. And now many thousands of years later, I am here to proclaim to you on behalf of God, choose life. God will bless and honor that in every way. That is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And you just heard a message called Life is Precious. I'd imagine many of you would like to hear this again or share it with someone you know. And it's easy to do through the Calvary Church app or go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, often those who advocate for abortion will throw out questions like, what about those pregnancies that involve rape or incest? Or what about if the mother's life is at risk? Would you address those common objections here in the time we have remaining? Well, you know, there's quite a few ways to address those those issues. There's quite a few ways that we can approach. And, you know, for me, I want to be very careful in understanding the reality of how hard of a decision this is. Um, how hard. If these things are a part of your story, I just want to acknowledge, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that incest took place, that you were abused, that you were... Um, hurt, raped, um, even a mom's life at risk. I think one of the mistakes we make is minimizing the reality of these difficult situations. They're difficult indeed. However, they did a survey not too long ago uh, for the 74,868 abortions that took place in the state of Florida in the year 2020. And here are the percentages of the choices that were made uh, for those abortions, 75% had elective abortions. There was no reason listed. 20% of the women aborted for social or economic reasons. And this is a survey they did as they came in. 1.8% or 2% of women's psychological health was threatened by the pregnancy. 1.5% of women's physical health was threatened by the pregnancy. 0.98% or 1%, there was a serious fetal ab abnormality. 0.2%, the woman's life was endangered by the pregnancy. 0.15%, uh, the, the woman was raped. And 0.01% was resulting from an incestuous relationship. And so the numbers dictate, and this is from the abortion industry themselves, the numbers dictate that the exceptions that we're talking about are indeed exceptions. And so let's just make sure that we set aside the exceptions and let's talk about the 95% of the abortions that are social, economic, or elective. And let's just acknowledge it's hard, it's difficult, but the conversation doesn't change. Life is life in the womb, and we as followers of Christ are to stand in the gap for those who have no voice and to elevate life, even when and especially when it's not elevated by the mom or by the family or by those that have a voice for others, as I personally experienced. It's very hard, very difficult, but let's set the difficulties aside for a second 
And let's talk about what's easy, and that is protecting, valuing, honoring life. Thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. You know, it's one thing to get married and a whole other matter to stay that way. And today we'd like to recommend a book written by Steve Carr called Married and How to Stay That Way. It contains a wealth of practical solutions all based in the Bible. Written in a counseling style with practical encouragements from start to finish. It even includes discussion questions at the end of each chapter and a study guide. It's a great book to go through with your spouse or in a small group Bible study. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And thank you for remembering us in your prayers and your giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also request this and other resources online at calvaryco.store. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we'll get back to our series in John's Gospel. May God richly bless you as you take a stand for and choose life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.